Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm Anna Ward, a senior research analyst at Knight Frank, and today I'm joined by Knight Frank's head of residential development land, Justin Gaze, and Jennifer McEwen, head of the Global Economic Service at Capital Economics. Hi, Justin and Jennifer. Morning, Anna. Hi, Anna. So supply chain troubles are clearly feeding into sharp bill cost hikes for the construction sector in the UK. So in this podcast, what we'll be doing is looking at how long these problems are likely to last and also the impact on new home supply in the UK. So Jennifer, to start with you, you've clearly been tracking data which suggests that the UK has a much more acute shortage of materials and workers than other G7 economies. So it'd be really interesting to hear why you think that is. I don't know whether it's really very much more acute. I I think the big point here is that shortages are acute across all G7 economies and they're driven principally by global factors. If we have some shortages indicators, which are composite indicators made up of lots of different survey measures of things like suppliers, delivery times, and and also other indicators like inventories to sales ratios, which really give you a good idea of just how tight things are. And they've all gone up very sharply across G7 economies. What we've seen lately is a significant improvement, albeit from a very high level, in shortages in the US. And that hasn't come through to the same extent in the, the UK. That might be because um, the US is just such a big market that it's been prioritised by a lot of suppliers, or it it might be to do with Brexit as well. It's very difficult to disentangle these effects. But what we're also seeing is that shortages are still very acute in Germany also, so it's not just a UK phenomenon. Okay. But is it fair to say that the UK is slightly worse than those other um, economies in the G7? Yes, yeah, based on the indicators that that we have, we've seen an improvement and an easing of, of supply shortages in the US, which we haven't seen in the UK. I mean, do you think that could be Brexit adding a sort of another layer of complication over the sort of COVID-19 challenges? Yes, yeah, I, I, I think it could be. As I said, it's really difficult to disentangle these different effects. But I think that's an obvious thing to point to. Labour shortages in particular have been an issue, such as the shortage of HGV drivers. And we know that that's related partly to Brexit. So um, it's exacerbating what is already a really severe situation of shortages around the world. And Justin, you're obviously in touch with um, UK house builders and developers. What are you hearing in terms of which regions in the UK do you think are experiencing the most acute build cost pressures and supply chain difficulties at the moment? Well, I think probably if you look at the urban centres, they've been far more greatly affected than perhaps the greenfield sites. And whether that is London or Manchester or Birmingham or Leeds, but the large urban centres, I think, are, are being to a greater extent affected. And actually, if you if you think about what's happening in London, actually, construction starts have been declining since 2015, where they were kind of just under 34,000. Last year, there were 16,600. So actually, construction starts have fallen in London quite dramatically. And there's no doubt, you know, that COVID hasn't had, had an effect on this. I, I think perhaps that COVID is, has disguised the effects of Brexit. But I think particularly we, we, we've seen in London... 60 to 70 percent of the workforce on some of the sites were from from Eastern Europe. And this is a highly skilled labour force who went home really when COVID started. And let's be honest, the message around Brexit wasn't exactly welcoming to overseas workers. And and so we've lost that layer of labour supply, which was vital and particularly more acute in the southeast than, than perhaps the rest of the country. But also, I think you've got to look at the 
the demographics of, of the construction workers. You know, brick workers in particular, the average, average age is kind of in the late 40s. And, you know, physically you can't do that job once you're past your probably mid-50s, you know, the sheer physicality of it. And, and that has meant that actually those labour costs have gone up dramatically. And, and you talk about bricklayers that post or pre-COVID were probably kind of 210, 220 a day. And now, now they're over £300 a day. Just to pick up on the regional point, so are you saying that you think that housing delivery rates in urban centres will be much more impacted? Because it does look on a national level like housing delivery has been fairly resilient. But are you expecting more constraint then in London and other urban areas in in England? Yeah, I think there's two reasons for it. One is the higher labour costs perhaps in London. And and secondly, you know, if you you look at the announcement by Bellway, actually they're going to deliver 11,000 houses in this year, which is more houses than they've ever delivered before. So they've obviously dealt with the shortage of labour and the labour cost. But what you have regionally is the ability to increase the value of the end product. So house prices have gone up in those greenfield sites because there's a real demand post-COVID for people to have more space, a garden, all the things that you know people were more acutely affected by during COVID. If you were living in a small flat, you wanted space. But in London, you've not been able to do that. So the values of the, of the finished product haven't increased because you haven't had that level of demand. So you've got increased build costs but you haven't got increased sales value. So I think it definitely affected London and the other urban centres, the large urban centres as well. And Jennifer, just drawing back on the supply chain issues and looking at this on a global level, I know that you've also been identifying where the bottlenecks are in, in various ports around the world. I mean, can you give us a snapshot at the moment of sort of where the problems are and where these materials are getting held up. And obviously all of this is feeding into cost hikes in the UK for construction. But where is it you're seeing the sort of bottlenecks at the moment? Well, it's pretty broad-based, to be honest. We we have seen some improvements in, in port congestion, both in, in China and in the US recently, but there are big risks around China's zero COVID strategy, the possibility that there will be renewed port closures, and congestion is still at high levels, although it's come down a bit. Globally, we've seen shortages of wires, other electrical products, woods, metals, a lot of the materials used in construction. And it's in China where many of the fixtures, fittings and wires are sourced and in Europe, which is relied upon for wood, structural steel, aluminium, paints, boilers. So it's kind of a global phenomenon, which is is affecting construction from various angles, I would say. And how long do you think this will all last? Because obviously there, there seem to be sort of two camps here, looking both at supply chain problems and also the other economic issues that have arisen post-COVID, like rising inflation and so on. I mean, do you think all of this is fairly transitory, six months max, or do you see these sorts of issues really persisting much longer than that? Well, it's a combination, really, I think. There are a lot of transitory factors at play, including the Omicron wave. And I was just talking about the risks around China, assuming that that's brought under control quite quickly, then those kinds of risks fade. And you would hope that as we head into warmer weather um, in the West, that the risks around the virus would be smaller. So that should be one reason why shortages start to ease. Also, there was a surge in demand for electronics during lockdowns, and demand should start to normalise and mean that the pressures on shipping ease off a bit in the months ahead. On the other hand, some other elements, such as the labour shortages in particular, are likely to be more persistent. Those which relate to Brexit, of course, will will go on for some time. It takes quite a long time to train new people and to find new workers, not just for construction sites, but also the HGV drivers that are needed. 
So some persistence. We have assumed that things already seem to be improving. As I said, our indicators of shortages have dipped off in the US and I would expect that trend to spread through to other economies as well. But it could be a relatively slow process, particularly remember that inventories are very, very lean and there are big backlogs of work. So even once things start to get back to normal, it's going to take a long time to work through those backlogs and normalisation won't come overnight. So in short, we're assuming that shortages persist in some form for six to 12 months, but they start easing a bit pretty much from now. Okay. And Justin, in terms of how UK house builders and developers are sort of planning or to planning to respond to this, I mean, what can they do to manage these burdens at the moment? What are you hearing them do on the ground? Well, I think, you know, as Jennifer says, it's not a problem that can be resolved overnight and particularly retraining construction workers or, or training new construction workers. That takes time. But inevitably, people will see that actually these are kind of well-rewarded jobs and you will see people moving into this industry. And in terms of supply, they look for alternative supply. You know, maybe that is a far more you know, localised and national supply than an international supply. So they do adapt. But of course, that doesn't happen immediately. But, but we've definitely, the feedback I'm getting from the house builders is actually really the kind of the, the cost of materials has begun to level out and probably is plateauing at the moment. But it's labour costs that are probably increasing those total construction costs at the moment. Do you think, Justin, just to finish on a property note, I mean, do you think that given the demand for residential, that while there might be issues with construction and suppliers, that we'll likely see ongoing resilient housing delivery rates because there's just so much focus on housing over some other sectors now than compared to, say, offices or other areas that are slightly less in demand? I, I think we will, and I think it probably comes down to the demand for the finished product. And even in the face of higher interest rates, cost of living, whether that is, you know, whether that's food or energy or petrol, people have saved money during COVID. And there seems to be quite a, a weight of money that, that is looking to buy into the housing sector in terms of people looking to buy new homes. And there's definitely a shortage of, of, of sites coming forward. And I suspect that that market will stay strong for the time being, I can't see really that changing. Yes, if interest rates increase and people's mortgages go up by a considerable amount, then that is going to have an effect on the market. But it doesn't seem to at the moment. And everybody I spoke to, you know, have said that they've had strong sales rates during January. And I know the city, you know, was concerned that the combination of interest rates and, and cost of living going up would, would dampen this demand. But it doesn't seem to be felt on the ground yet. Jennifer, how about you? Are you seeing much of stress in the UK housing market at this point? Not really. I mean, it's been surprisingly um, resilient, I would say, as have many housing markets around the world. I, th I think what we have our eye on as a company mainly is the end of the help to buy equity loan scheme and the impact that that's going to have. So it, it's largely for that reason, really, that we see house prices cooling later this year. Yeah, I know that will definitely one to watch. Justin, are you keeping track of some of the sort of industry alternatives? It looks like, for instance, Deposit Unlock seems like quite an interesting one. It seems that the industry is kind of gathering some momentum over creating an alternative. Yes, you know, I, I think, you know, not only the House Builder Federation bringing in their alternative, but the, the new forms of affordable housing, you know, discounted uh, market sale. I mean, I think these are all encouraging, but people often say that actually help to buy is a kind of drug that the house building industry needs to wean itself off. And, and it has no doubt caused house price inflation. So I don't think it is particularly healthy that uh, it should continue. So I think, you know, it, it's right that that 
ends at the end of March 23. You know, the other challenge, which, which is going to you know, affect land prices, is the fact that there are lots of competing uses for land. And, and, and previously, you, know, you used to see a residential development site outside an urban centre. And actually, it was, you know, that bit of land was naturally going to be developed for housing. But, you know, particularly distribution is paying a lot of money for development sites. And you're seeing, you know, land values, if we say around the M25, around £2 million an acre. Well, that's probably 4 to £5 million an acre for distribution land. So you've got that competition yeah. on, on, on the yeah. land supply. So I think that that is going to be kind of one of the constraints that we're going to have in, in delivering housing. But I do think that, you know, as ever, when prices increase, that there is a time for those to level off. And I'm sure that that will happen. And it is always better for a market to have relatively stable conditions. Thank you for joining me, Justin and Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. See our show notes for more details. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.